Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. So I'm excited about two things. And the first is marriage prep. Um, that there is my lovely fiance Robin. Robin, if you can wave to the people. Um, yeah, we're really looking forward to marriage prep. Our biggest marriage prep so far is driving somewhere. Now, I blame it on her being too stressed, and she blames it on my great driving skills. But somewhere there in the middle, we, we see um, the truth about it. And the other day, we were actually going to show for Joburg. And when we arrived there, we had no one in the house, and we were like, yes! We, we made it. And then I had to park the car. And there was a little drain that I drove over. If you ask me, I would say it's this size, and the lid wasn't on right. If you ask Robin, the drain was this size, and there was no lid. <laughs> and uh, as we walked into the car, because we had to make... Uh, the, the time was late for the church, and just as we arrived, they started worshiping. And I took for Robinson, I said, We have to reconcile, otherwise, we won't be able to worship. So now, what we do is we drive 20 minutes earlier. So when we get there, we can reconcile in the car. Um, so, yeah, we, we're looking forward to marriage prep. I'm sure it will be a great blessing to us and really enrich us. Um, but enough about me and my lovely fiance, whom I can't wait to marry and spend the rest of my life with. The other thing I'm excited about is the sermon tonight, guys, so let me open for us in prayer. Yes, Father, thank you that we can just come and sit under your word, Father, and thank you for your word, and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and you lead us and you guide us, and just like Barry said, Lord, you empower all of us, Father, to do a certain purpose, to do a certain thing, Lord, and you know, Father, thank you that you have called us all, Father, to do things for your kingdom, Father, purposefully, Father, and Holy Spirit, you are the one that enables us, you are the one who leads us, you are the one who guides us, and we just want to come and celebrate you tonight and say that you are so welcome here, and you are so welcome among us, come and speak to every heart, and come and minister to us tonight, amen. And guys, one of the other things I've looked forward to is drinking some of this water, it always looks real nice, um, so what we, we're busy in a series, guys, deeper, and uh, I just felt like explaining, you know, many times when we feel that we're going deep into relationship with Christ, we many times think that it's some higher knowledge that we should attain to, or some revelation that we should receive, but it's, it's just knowing Him more, just going deep into relationship with Him. Amen, guys? And tonight we're going to speak a bit about abiding in Christ, and um, we're going to quickly read through a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to bit dig into that. So if you can read with me, either in your Bibles or on the screen there. This is John 15, Jesus speaking to the disciples about abiding in Him. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone laying down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, 
For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. What a nice passage of scripture, guys. And by this point, Varys would say, okay, cool, guys, we're going to just take a quick detour to Cape Town and then back. Tonight, we're just going to take a gentle stroll around the block. We're not going to go that far. I want to start by a question, guys, and why is there no fulfillment in the world? Why is there no purpose in the world? We see this book by Rick Warren. It is the most widely sold non-fictional hardback in history. And the title of the book is What on Earth Am I Here For? Because everybody seeks purpose, everybody seeks fulfillment, everybody seeks joy. And the world many times gives us many ideas of what this looked like. Many things that we should find purpose in or that we should pursue. Money, wealth, accumulating stuff for ourselves, fame. But all of these things end in hopelessness. Think about this documentary in VH1, speaking about famous people, celebrities. And then at this stage of their life where they have accumulated everything, they have wealth, they have money, the guys have girls. I don't know if the, the girls also want guys. I'm not sure if that is how it works, but um, <laughs> they have everything. And then at that point in time, you see many of those celebrities commit suicide. Why is that? There's hopelessness. There's no fulfillment. I'm thinking about my own life, and as a young boy, I also searched for that fulfillment, for that purpose in my life. And for me, it was, yes, if I could be cool, then that would give me a sense of belonging. That would give me a sense of purpose. And through my life, it's led me to many places, but all of those places were empty. Thinking at the end of school, you know, I've not studied real hard at school because that wasn't the cool thing to do. And thinking to myself, you know, there's one thing left. I can go and become a chopper pilot. Yes, if I become a chopper pilot, then that would give me a sense of fulfillment. That will give me a sense of purpose and of belonging. It's cool to be a chopper pilot, eh, guys? And uh, I remember the day I received my license, empty. I found myself just low. The very thing that you thought was going to bring fulfillment in your life leaves you empty, leaves you low. And you know what's sad, guys? Many people only discover this on their deathbeds. I'm thinking about the last words of Steve Jobs at the age of 56. And what he says is that he thinks back on his life and all that he has accumulated and all of the wealth and possessions that he has begotten for himself and it seems meaningless in the face of death. Empty. No purpose. No fulfillment. No joy. Many times we as the Afrikaners, we grow passive. We think one day, you know, when I retire or one day when I get there, then. Then I'll do something with my life. Then there will be purpose. Then there will be fulfillment. But for now, I will just be passive. I'm just going to survive until then. And then hopefully then there will be some purpose. There will be some fulfillment. And then, you know, it always leads in hopelessness like in my own life. And then all of a sudden, meet a weird American guy. And he knows Jesus. Leads me to Jesus. And all of a sudden there's purpose. All of a sudden there's hope. All of a sudden there's fulfillment. The lowest point in your life to the highest point in your life. All of a sudden when coming to meet Christ. Why is that? You see... Some people walking around thinking to themselves this week, you know, this is my last. I can't, can't do it anymore. I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. Sunday walks into church, raises their hand at the altar call, gives their life to Jesus. All of a sudden there's purpose. All of a sudden there's life. There's fulfillment. And why is that? quickly want to show you the next verse. If you just jump to the next verse. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son of God does not have life I'm just thinking about the story in Ezekiel 37 where God takes Ezekiel and he places him in a valley of dry bones and it relates back to the people of that time you know they think they know God you know we are the children of Abraham we know God but actually they are dead. They are as productive as dry bones. And it's much the same with us today because we all get raised in Christian homes. We all are Christians. But there's no life. There's no purpose. There's no hope. Why is that? Because we don't have the Son. 
We are not abiding in Him. And there is no life. And I love the question that God asks Ezekiel. And when God asks us a question, it's never because He wants to know something. He always, he always knows everything. So when He asked us the question, and He asked Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? It's for us. What's the answer? Yes, it can live in Christ. In Him there's purpose. In Him there's fulfillment. In Him there's joy. And some of you might sit here tonight and think to yourself, you know, but there, there has been a time when I have given my life to Jesus. There has been a time where I have abided in Him. But today when I think about myself, I feel hopeless. I feel there's no purpose. I feel there's no joy. Because when Jesus says, abide in me, there's a chance that you have maybe disconnected, that you are not abiding in Him anymore. Because He has made us this way from the beginning that we would know Him, that we would have a relationship with Him, that we would abide in Him. And when we disconnect, the very nourishment of our souls in Christ gets neglected. So we've got to ask ourselves, maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, am I abiding in Him? Am I not? I'm not quite sure. And to do that, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what does a neglected soul look like? What does someone look like that is disconnected from Christ? It looks the same for someone that has never come to Christ and it looks the same for someone that has met Him but has disconnected from Him. Your soul may be saved but it's not being fed by Him. So what are some of the symptoms that creep in when we disconnect from Him? I'm just going to name a few and then think if you can maybe relate or maybe sometime in your life where you know you have disconnected and these things come up. Anxiety, self-absorption, shame, anger, Fatigue, lack of faith, lack of conviction, no compassion, self-oriented, a loss of vision, a loss of purpose, depression, apathy or passivity. You see guys, many times we just grow passive. We come to church, we go to small group, we come to church, we go to small group. But there's no purpose in that. There's no vision in that. It's just passivity in motion. And then another thing is no desire for God, no desire for His Word. That is the things that we find ourselves when we have disconnected from Him. That is where it leads. That is where we find ourselves. But again, we can ask the question, what does an abiding soul look like? What does someone look that has connected to Him? What is the symptoms of that? Love, joy, obviously all of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, compassion, generosity, peace, ability to trust, discernment, boundlessness. Work coming from the overflow of my life with God. Flowing over, creativity, vision, purpose, balance, focus, and a desire for God and a desire for His Word. Just quickly want to just gauge yourself, just look into the mirror and see where you find yourself at this moment. Are you disconnected or are you abiding? So cool guys, if we would take these two lists and I would say, okay, on the one hand, we have the neglected soul list. This is anxiety, this is depression, this is shame, this is anger. Can I quickly see the hands of someone that would choose this list? Some crazy people. And then on this side, we have a list of abiding in Christ. This is love, this is joy, compassion, a desire for God. Who would choose this list? So guys, this is... A very simple question and now it seems that yes we choose this list every day but the truth is we do choose between these two lists every day we choose between abiding in him or disconnecting from him we choose between obedience disobedience keeping in step with the spirit walking out of step with the spirit and that is how we find ourselves many times depleted burnt spent done because we have disconnected from him so what are the things we choose between every day? Just to put it in perspective, if you can go to the next slide. These are the two great purposes. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I did not choose, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. We get tempted between these two things every day, either abiding in Him and bearing fruit, or abiding in something else that leads to lifelessness, leads to death. And just to quickly explain to you guys what abiding in Christ means, it's, it's a relationship 
with God. And I just want to read to you what the dictionary says and some of the synonyms it gives for the word abiding. And it says, There is an abiding friendship, enduring, lasting, persisting, long-lasting, lifelong, continuing, remaining, surviving, standing, durable, everlasting, perpetual, eternal, unending, constant, permanent, unchanging, steadfast, immutable. Relationship that God desires with us and for us. Isn't that amazing, guys? That such a great God desires that kind of relationship with us. That's unending. He's not in a war with the devil and saying, okay, now he's mine, but I'll get to him in heaven one day. He wants a relationship now. It's the very purpose that Jesus came to earth. When Jesus said the words, it is done, he didn't say the gates of heaven flinged open and we can enter one day. He said the veil was torn into where the presence of God dwells. So we can be restored with him now. We can enter a relationship with him now. We can know him now. Isn't that amazing, guys? Many times you live for one day. We will get there one day. I still love what Werner said. We are not called to be witnessing sometimes. We are called to be witnesses every day. Because we know him and it flows from our lives. And this is the call of Jesus for us tonight. Either if you have never abided in him, he is calling tonight, abide in me. Bear fruit, there is life, there is joy, there is peace. Or if you maybe have disconnected from him, he is calling, come back. Abide in me again. Abide in me again. Connect again. And this is where we are heading, guys. I hope that I can give you four points tonight that would help you to remain in Him and abide in Him. So now we've got to ask ourselves the question, if we want this abiding relationship with God that is continuing, that is eternal, that is long life and everlasting relationship with God, where do we start? As a builder starts to build a house, he first has to lay a foundation before he can build further. So what is at the very foundation of abiding in Christ? Check out the next two verses. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, it's at this plane where the devil comes and tempts us. He says, no, don't lay your life down for him. Come and abide in something else. Live for yourself. Live for fame. Live for riches. That you can get the flesh nice and comfortable in a nice house, fame, the opinion of people, thinking that you are great. And God says, no, lay it down. Because if you lose your life for my sake, then you will find it. And guys, this is something that we... We many times think of as an extreme scale. If someone comes into your house, points a gun to you and say, deny Jesus or I shoot. It's not that extreme. You know, I was actually having a chat the other day and he puts it so nice into perspective. It's in little things that this creeps in, that this abiding in something else when Christ comes in. It's about going to church or watching a series. Intercession or sleeping a bit late. Standing up to spend time with God or putting a snooze on the vacuum and sleeping a, another hour or so. This is where these things come in. It's little things that we disconnect from Him. And later we find ourselves totally depleted and spent because we couldn't fully lay down our lives to follow Him. Little things, guys. Coming to church, watching a series, spending time with God, watching a movie, spending time in prayer or doing anything else. And in Luke 14, Jesus says a statement, and it's sometimes, it, it, first for me, it sounds, yo, this is, this is difficult. And Jesus says, count the cost. For everyone who would come after me must first count the cost. If you love mother or father more than me, you're not worthy of me. You love son and daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. Count the cost. And many times think, yes, this is a hard saying, until we count the costs. Then we see it's actually a beautiful cost to count. Because it's purposeless versus purpose. Darkness versus light, bondage versus freedom, death versus life. I choose to take up my cross every day. There's a beautiful cause to count, guys. And if we have laid down ourselves, if we have crucified ourselves with Christ, now it makes it difficult for the enemy to tempt you. Why? Because you're not living for you. You're living for him. Now you can say like Paul, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when the enemy comes and tempts you, you say, okay, you can go ask Jesus, but I'm sure his, his answer would be no, because I'm living for him. I'm not living for myself anymore. 
It's all truth, guys, but this is where we have to start. Crucified with Christ. Point one. Abide in Christ by laying down self. It has to start here, guys. I love this sermon that Varys preached last week. You first have to follow. This is the first call Jesus gives to anyone. Come, follow me. Come, abide in me. Lay down your purpose. Lay down your nets. Come, follow me. This is where it all starts, guys. And this is where we also have to be honest with ourselves because many people, they look for influence in the world. They look for a, a high place in the world. And when they can't find it, they try to do that in church. Coming to church, doing good things. But what is the motive behind that? God is motivation that determines ambition's character. The reason why we do what we do. It's like Carl Priest, also a lovely sermon. Is it because he makes much of us? Or are we trying to make much of him? That is where we have to be honest with, our God, with ourselves. And now, when the foundation has been laid, when we have laid down our ideas of what purpose is, of what fulfillment is, we can take a look at God's purpose for our lives. And now we can ask the question, what does this abiding look like? What is this relationship with God look like if we strip it down to a very big core what is it all about and this is for me lovely the the words that Jesus prayed after speaking to his disciples about abiding in him it says that he looked up while they were standing there and he just begins to pray and he prays the following words if we can go to the next slide and this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent I glorify you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Such amazing piece of scripture, guys. Abiding in Him, knowing Him, this life that is in Christ, what is at the core of it? It's knowing Him. That is life. And out of that flows the fruit of the Spirit to do the work of God. But it has to start with knowing Him. See, this is abiding God's knowledge. It's not knowledge of God, but it's intimacy with God. It's not hearing someone preach about God, but it's knowing Him yourself. Not pertaining knowledge of you think you know what God is like, but it's knowing Him yourself, spending time with Him in intimacy with God. And then comes bearing fruit, accomplishing the work that the Father gave us to do. Not doing good work so that we can pertain a certain status in church, but doing the work that pleases the Father. So if this is the life in Christ, to know Him, eternal life, to know God. How do we start to know Him? How do we come to know Him? Where do we turn to first? Check the next slide, guys. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are Spirit and life. What is eternal life? To know Him. Who gives eternal life? The Spirit alone. Isn't that amazing, guys? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then to explain to you guys the setting of John 15, because disciples must have thought, yes, this is a weird, this is a weird thing for us to do. Jesus just told us that he's going away, and now he's demanding this abiding relationship with him. How do we continue a relationship with him if he's going to the Father? John 14, Jesus explains, He will send the Holy Spirit to them. The promise of the Holy Spirit, John 14. Then John 15, He speaks, Abide in me. And then John 16, He explains the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, you can't separate these things. It has to be together. Because human effort accomplishes nothing. I love what the ESV says. It says, The flesh is no help at all. It accomplishes nothing. It can't do anything. We can't know God by human efforts. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. And guys, to give you guys a good example of this, we see this many times when going on missions. Just before missions, we're going to a foreign place. It's unfamiliar to our flesh. We don't know what's going on there, so we have this dependency upon the Holy Spirit. We seek the Holy Spirit constantly. We pray each day, Father, where are you leading us? What is the purpose? What is the calling? And when we get there, we are not familiar with that place. So there's a dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Every now and again, Holy Spirit, where are you leading us? What are you saying? This dependency upon the Spirit. And then you see people beginning to flourish in the gifts of the Spirit and they begin to walk in their calling. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's amazing. And then amazing stuff happens there. 
and then we come back, oh, passive. Why is that? We, have not, we don't have a dependency upon the Spirit because we think here yeah, we can do things in the flesh. We can come to church, we can go to small group. It's familiar to us. We know how this works and we neglect the Spirit and we fall into the flesh. It's a, it's a tragic story, guys. I spoke to Werner yesterday as well when we were at a five-year reunion. And um, he said, you know, just when he also just got afresh abiding in Christ and he comes alive. And it was one o'clock in his, um, what, what is it called, in English? In, in, a, in a race where he lives and he goes door to door, every light that's still on, and he goes and knocks and he tells everybody about this, what just happened. God is alive. And he comes to a certain guy that has known Christ for a while and what does he tell Werner? You know, you won't always feel this way. There'll be a time where it scales down. Why is that? Because later we begin to walk in the flesh. Because in the beginning it's unfamiliar. We have this dependency upon the Spirit. We do not know what we are doing. Holy Spirit, please lead us. Please show us. Later we think we can do this by ourselves. Because we think, no, it's only new Christians that has this flame of fire. Look at the early church. They continued till the very end. Why? They were abiding in Him. If we fall away, it's not because the new flame has burnt out. It's because we have disconnected from Him. If we keep abiding in Him, we will overflow every day. We have to keep in step with the Spirit, guys. It's not walking in the way of the Spirit because many times we hear the Spirit head in a certain direction and we head there. And only miles later do we realize that we have stopped hearing His voice because we've not keep in step with. We follow the way of. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see a perfect example. Jesus did everything with a purpose and on purpose. And we are called to do the same. You see Him going spend time with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, the disciples come seeking him. Jesus, everybody's looking for you. He says, it's time to move on. We are done here. Gets to the pool of Bethesda. There's a multitude of sick people. He heals one guy. Why? He knew exactly what to do. On purpose, with a purpose. Keeping in step with the Spirit. We would have spent days there praying for everyone. <laughs> and then the, only that one guy would have gotten healed and we would have asked, why? Because that was the purpose. <laughs> If we have just spent time with the Holy Spirit and ask, what is the purpose? And he says, that guy. We go to that guy, heal that guy, and move on. Not spending days there. This takes us to point number two, guys. Abide in Christ through the Holy Spirit. It is pride that leads us to think we can do it in the flesh. Jesus himself ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit, we become like smart Jerry in Werner's sermon. We become critics. We have knowledge of, but we don't know God. We know of Him, but we certainly don't know Him personally. There's no compassion. We think we are here and other people are there. But when we know Him, we sit with the, with the people that we think are here. With the sinners, like Jesus. And guys, many times you may think, okay, but we struggle to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak in our lives. Why is that? Because he can be grieved and we turn to him last. I don't know why we do this. But he's the very guy that was sent here to help us. To counsel us. To lead us into all truth. But if we have a question, we first go to speak to someone. Which is not wrong. It's good to have um, people that can counsel you. Or we first go and read a book. Which is also not wrong. Or we first go and listen to a sermon. Which is also not wrong. But we have to turn to him first. He's the one that's put here to guide us. To lead us. So imagine you are the very... You're supposed to do this job, and every time they mess it up, then they come to you. You'll be grieved by that. And many times you don't expect him to speak. And my mom's there at the back, and once on his flight from a car anymore, by means it is framed, but we whistle to each other. And um, when I know, she says, okay, I'm going to meet you at checkers, then I'm attentive to the whistle. And when I hear someone whistle, I don't think, how flat you I know it's my mom, and then I go to her. And the same is with the Holy Spirit. We don't expect Him to whistle, so we don't hear. But we, if we expect Him, if we turn to Him first, and we are waiting for the voice of the Spirit to speak, we'll hear. And guys, we, know, we, we all know who has, who has never heard first the mountain, then the ministry. 
Who has never heard the phrase, first the mountain, then the ministry? Never heard it. No man. But it's, it's, it's just like that. We first have to spend solitude with God, time with God, and He gives us a purpose, and then we minister into that purpose. We don't go and say, God, we have now decided to do this. Come and bless this. It doesn't work that way. John Bevere speaks of people that walk into a room and they could sense the presence of God with these people. It's like Psalm 91. Those who abide in the shelter of the Most High will dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. Why? Because they walk with God. It's not that God walks with them. They hear where God is leading and then they follow. They don't say, God, we're going to do this. Come bless this now. They say, God, what are you blessing? And we'll do that. And guys, you know what is just stood out for me when preparing this sermon is the disciples' first lesson after Jesus ascended into heaven. What did he tell them? Go and wait for the Holy Spirit. That was their first lesson. So that in everything they did, spending time in prayer and fasting and the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas. They would not move unless he spoke. They knew what it was to wait upon the Holy Spirit. That was their first lesson. Go wait for him. And if he comes, then start to minister. Isn't that beautiful, guys? Jesus himself did no miracle, no public ministry until the Holy Spirit came. Wait upon him. So guys, if I can just give you guys a, a tip. Many times when people say we must practice a certain discipline, I tend to over-practice it and it doesn't help. So if you want to learn to be quiet, learn to be still and wait upon him, just take one day in a week, 20 minutes, just sit and be still. There'll be many thoughts coming into your mind, but just one by one, just let them go and learn to be still. And then after a while, you'll be able to say like David, I've learned to quiet my spirit and wait and listen for the Holy Spirit. Guys, in this now that we have allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and when we have laid down ourselves, when we begin to be transformed into the image of the Son. And how does the Holy Spirit do that? I love the next quote by Rick Warren. If we can go to the next slide. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make us like the Son of God. Isn't that cool? And this can only happen, obviously, when both the Spirit of God and the Word of God is present. Because the Spirit uses the Word. So if the Word's not there, then the Spirit can't use it. If the Word is there and the Spirit's not there, we become like smart Jerry. And guys, we have to spend time with these two things. Corne Baker says that when the gifts of the Holy Spirit was restored to the church, the very strength became our weakness because we now preach like angels but live like devils. There's no fruit. We focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit but not spending time in the Word so that we can bear fruit and become like Jesus. We have to do both. And then also spending time in the Word of God helps us discern the Spirit of God's voice. I remember one time me and Robin, we were at my brother's house and speaking to a couple of guys in Emba, and I'm asking them, hey guys, how's it going? And they say, no, it's not that great. I ask why. They say, no, for four days, the power's been off, so they have not been able to make any food. What do I say? Now, I'm, I'm feeling God saying to me that I should go and give them some food, but I'm also hesitant. Now, I'm not sure if it's, if it's God or not, because I have to drive to Emba, so I don't want to hear. <laughs> so we are sitting there, and I tell them, cool guys, be well. I hope the power comes back on. And then you can have some food. What does the Holy Spirit do? Brings to remembrance. James 2, verse 15 to 16. If a brother or sister is lacking in clothing or daily food, and you say to them, go well, <laughs> be fed and have clothes, but you don't do anything, what good is that? And I thought to myself, oh, the dangers of Bible study. <laughs> if I didn't know that verse, then I didn't have to go. It really is so, guys, if, if we know the good that we should do and we fail to do it for him, it is sin. So it's, it's dangerous studying the Word of God because then you have to do what it says. Cool, guys, check the next verse out. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is it speaking about? Jesus. Later it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus himself is the Word of God. God, if we get to know this, there's a certain hunger, there's a certain appetite that we develop for God's Word. I was thinking to myself, as I was preparing this sermon, 
John 14 to 17 has got to be my favorite passages of scripture. But then just to be set my page back, John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. John 12, Mary pours out all that she has in the feet of Jesus. John 11, Jesus speaks, I'm the resurrection and the life. John 10, I'm the good shepherd. I would have paced back to Genesis 1 and again forward <laughs> to Revelations 22. The word of God is it's food, guys. It's, it's the very thing that nourishes us. Jeremiah says, Lord, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Jesus prays, John 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And guys, can I be honest with us tonight? We are going deeper, so I feel I can say this. If we do not spend regular time in the Word of God, it's either that we do not know this, that Jesus is the Word of God, or we have disconnected and there's no desire to know Him. That is the truth, guys. If you have abided in Him, you have had passion for His Word. But it's not a condemning word. Jesus says, abide in me. Come to me, and I will give you life. And then just to look at John 15 verse 17, I'm going to quickly read through it and then look at the first part and then the second part. It says, Abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So what does it mean, guys, for, for God's word to abide in us? It's as we read the word of God, we begin to do the word of God. As it abides in us and the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to transform us into the image of the Son and His very will, His very passions and His, and his convictions begin to be on. It abides in us. Now we look at the second verse. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why? Because now we wish what Jesus wished. That the poor may have clothes. That the lost may come to know you. Then all of a sudden, our will and God's will aligns. And we begin to pray heaven unto earth. Because it's not how I want it on earth, so it be on earth. As it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. Now you begin to pray heaven down to earth. I struggled to pray for a long time, guys, until till God taught me this and took me through this. All of a sudden, your prayer life becomes alive. Why? Because it's connected to Him. It's abiding in Him. Now there's power. Now you start to pray heaven down to earth. You see things happening around you. Why? Because it's not your own will, but it's His will. Pray into His will and He will do it. It's amazing, guys. And in this as well, we need to let the Holy Spirit lead us in prayer. Because we many times spend time speaking to God, but we don't often pray to God. The difference is in prayer, there's a time when God speaks back. We have to wait upon Him. When He reveals His will to you, as you spend time in the Scriptures, meditating on it, He reveals His will to you. And then you start to pray into that. And His burden and His yoke is easy and light. It's lovely. It's all of a sudden a joy to pray. Can't get enough. Because He shows you what to pray into. Cool, guys. Point number... Three, abide in his word. And it's now when these things are in place that the Christian life actually becomes alive. And we begin to be transformed into the image of Jesus. His very will, his compassion and our hearts becomes our own. And you begin to walk around and God reveals to his heart and you can't help but pray into that. He shows you people and all of a sudden like John 17 you begin to pray that they might know you Lord. Sanctify them truth. Your word is truth. I pray that they might be one. Now we live not only for God, but as God intends us to live. This is a nice place, guys. And now we live from a place of conviction because the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to transform us. It's like the Jews. You know, Henry Ed showed us photos. They believe that God is coming at a certain place and they will be resurrected there. So all of their tombs are there. There's on top of each other. Because why? They believe He will be there. So they have conviction and they do that. And we can see in our lives as well, if you believe the dog, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, you will eat the apple a day. Even if it's a rotten apple, you'll eat that apple. <laughs> and it's then when we begin to live out of a place of conviction. We're actually speaking the other day with Toy, and it's like, if you don't often fast, either it's that you don't believe in fasting or you don't take enough stuff seriously to fast about. There's no conviction in that. Now we begin to live out of a place of conviction. And we begin to be purposeful in doing things that God laid in our hearts. And guys, now we busy to the next point. And just to finish off quickly, if we go to the next slide, this is where this leads to. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Difficult statement, but why can we love? Because he first loved us. Why can we serve? Because he came to serve and not to be served. You know what must, what must have been echoing through the disciples' mind when Jesus spoke these words? John 13, Jesus washes their feet, takes off his outer garment, girds himself with a towel, gets on his knees, washes their feet. And he says, I expect that you do this to one another, that you love them, that you serve them, that you lay your life down for them. Guys, and if you don't know where to start serving someone, start by praying for them. In relationships, if you want to serve her, start praying for her. And you say, God, every valley in her life, every pain, every trouble, be raised in the name of Jesus. Every hill, every mountain, God, that's in her way, below. That's how you start to serve. It goes the same, to serve him. Or if you want to serve the body of anyone, start by praying for those people. That is how we start to serve. And guys, this has to start at point number one. If you can't lay your life down for Christ, you won't lay it down for his body. You won't serve his people if you don't serve him. You won't have a compassion for his people if you don't have a compassion for him. It has to start there and then we get here. We see many people coming in and wanting to start here, begin to serve without abiding in him first. They burn out. The fruit cannot last. Why? It's not abiding in him. It's not sustainable. Because he is the very one that nourishes our souls. He's the very one that keeps us going. It has to lead you guys. Otherwise it will not last. Point number four. Abide in his love. Then just the question guys. Are we abiding in his love? Are we serving his people? Are we laying down our lives? And if we are, does it come difficult? Or is it easy? Because if it's difficult and we rarely get here, something's missing in that first three steps. And I want us to do some introspection, guys. We said we're going deeper into Him. This is the very foundation, but this is also where it ends. Abiding in Him. It's where we start, it's where we finish. It's what all's about. Knowing Him. This is eternal life. Cool, guys. Let's stand and pray. Yes, Father, thank you that we can just come before you today, Father, and as we have heard the score, Father, that we should abide in you and lay ourselves down, Father. We say every day, Father, we want to choose life, and when we count the cost, Father, we see it's a beautiful cost to count. We want to choose you, Father, and thank you that you have predestined it this way, Father, from Genesis, you have created us to be with you and to know you. And it's actually so beautiful, Father, that we were created to be sustained by nothing but you, Lord. You are the only one that can give that joy. You are the only one that can give that hope. And you are the only one that can bring purpose to our lives. We want to really come and say thank you, Father. Thank you that we can look forward to this, Lord. And you are God, Father, that is unknowable, Father, yet knowable. We will never be able to know everything about you, Father. So this relationship is so inviting, Father, knowing that we will never... Search the depths of you, Lord. There will always be more to know. There will always be more to discover. And we want to come and say thank you, Father. We want to push into you tonight. We want to abide, Father. In Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, we just want to thank you that while we abide in you, a branch in a vine, that fruit comes out and then the world sees. And if they look past us, they see Jesus. And they say, I want to know him also. Thank you that we have the privilege of revealing you to this world with so much love, Lord. And endurance.
And if you are here tonight, and maybe someone brought you here, maybe it's your first time or your tenth time, doesn't matter. It's all about knowing Jesus. That's why we are here. And I would just love to give people the opportunity to say, I want to know Jesus because I think I've never really been plugged into him. Maybe there's one person, maybe there's ten. That doesn't matter. What's important is that if Jesus tonight is calling your name, that you say, yes, Lord. Amen. And so, Father, I want to thank you that you draw people to yourself. That's what your word says. You call the name. And then that spirit awakens and has the ability to say, yes, Lord, I want to know you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing Jesus to me. For me also, let your blood also count for me, not just for others. Let it not be a sentimental story, a, a picture in a kiddies church classroom, but may that cross also wash my sin. That is my invitation for tonight. And if there's anyone here that would like to say, Vanna, tonight I want to plug in to Jesus and get to know him and discover him, then I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand very high without feeling ashamed in this place tonight. If you want to plug into Jesus, I want you to bravely say yes by putting up your hand in one, two, and three. Thank you for those hands. There's many hands around this place. I'm not going to ask anyone to come to the front. Just put your, keep your hand up high. Please keep your hand up because I'm going to ask facilitator to move to the side and meet you. Take you into the aisle to the side and meet you there. Thank you for those hands. Just keep your hand up as an indication. Someone's just softly moving towards you. Great. going to give um, you guys opportunity to just minister to these people in a while but but before we do that um, I'm not going to once again ask people to come to the front because I think it's going to be a lot of us but I don't know about you guys but I feel very convicted through this message I think God is really speaking to us um, through Vian tonight to, to really get stuck in and keep in step with the Spirit. So if you just really want to submit yourself back into the hands of God, just raise your two hands really high with me, and then I'm going to pray for us. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you are here speaking with us. You have not left us orphans. You've come for us. And as we go through the motions, we meet you and we rely on you. And we are so excited about church and worship and Bible school and accountability and stuff. And then we move to the flesh, like Vian said, and we start to do it in our own strength. We become too smart for ourselves, Lord. And we lose you along the way. And we lose that passion, that zeal and that love. And we become critical of ourselves and of other people. Some of us have become so hard on ourselves because we've started to measure ourselves with a measure that the world has handed to us on magazines and movies and rubbish places like that. And we've become critics, breaking down ourselves, no longer believing that we can do all things through Christ, no longer believing that God can use us, Lord. And we repent of that. We say, we repent. We have moved from the spirit to the flesh. And some of us have become critical on other people. Our boss, those working above us, below us, our, our spouses, our family. We've become so critical because we've moved from the place of prayerfully praying for others but criticizing them. We're just plugging back into the vine. Amen. Just say, Lord, I'm plugging back in. I'm plugging back in. Holy Spirit, 
you are invited. You may lower your hands. Holy Spirit, you are invited in our midst to minister to us. Through conviction, lead us to life. Lead me to life. Lead Vian, lead each and every one of us into that place of sitting down, opening our hearts to the Spirit whilst opening the Bible. And then laying down, giving up areas of our lives as Scripture teaches. Everything we lay down, we're getting eternity for. What a great exchange. You take our death, you give us life. You take our rubbish, you give us precious things. We acknowledge you are good, Lord, and we turn our hearts back to you. What I want you to do is, um, if you know someone here, you, you can grab their hand, you can pray on your own, but I want you to pray for one other person that you wish, long for in your heart, would tonight be in a place like this, in this town or in another town, in a church, but they're not. And you're thinking about them a lot. And for a moment, what I want you to do is to pray for that person with someone else or alone if, if you don't want to pray with someone else. Let, let's take two minutes for that before we conclude. If you had your hand up in the beginning, someone fetched you, they're going to spend some time with you. But let's just give some two, um, two minutes or so for prayer before we break up. Thank you, guys.